This is Dr. Rob Harder with the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast, Making Your World Better. What does it take to be an effective nonprofit leader today? What are the biggest challenges? What are the biggest obstacles? How should nonprofits fundraise in an economy that is constantly changing? All of these reasons combined led me to start this show. And it's my hope that through this series, people can learn not only what it takes to be an effective nonprofit organization, but to hear from effective leaders who are successfully making a positive impact in their communities. We hope you enjoy the show as together we hear how they are making their world better. What kind of leadership strengths are particularly helpful when it comes to leading in the nonprofit sector? Are there unique challenges that nonprofit leaders face that perhaps for-profit leaders don't? Are the leadership traits for nonprofit leaders the same as they are for other sectors? Well, this and other leadership-related questions will be answered by my guest, Bertina Ceccarelli. Bertina is the CEO of NPower. It's an organization that connects women of color with tech training programs to build foundational tech skills and help them move into positions within the growing tech workforce. They also serve military-connected individuals as well as young adults from underserved communities. Now, one of her primary areas of focus is helping to get women of color into more tech jobs. Because unfortunately, historically, women of color are massively underrepresented in the tech job sector. Now, I also want to give another shout out. Just thanking you all for being part of this podcast community and, and talking about the podcast, spreading the word about the podcast. It's been so fun to see this podcast grow in terms of listeners and reach. Now, if you haven't had a chance to give us a rating or a review, I encourage you to do so. That will only help us get this podcast out to more great leaders just like you. Now enjoy the show. Well, Bertina, it's great to have you on the show today. So there's been many articles written and online discussions about the fact that our tech job sector overall has been dominated by white males primarily. In fact, it's been noted that Black and Latinx women make up only 5% of U.S. tech jobs. Now, you're the CEO of an organization that connects women of color with tech training programs to build foundational tech skills. Upon completion, then, transition into an entry-level position in the growing tech workforce. You also serve military-connected individuals, as well as young adults from underserved communities. Now, could you give us a quick overview of what led you to be the CEO of this organization? Oh, Rob, well, I really appreciate the opportunity to be here today. Really love your podcast and uh, would be happy, happy to jump in and tell you a bit more about Empower and really what drew, drove me to join the organization and embrace the mission. First, just for your listeners, the overall mission for Empower, we are a national nonprofit and rooted deeply into community committed to advancing racial and gender equity in the tech industry. And we do that through a range of skills-based training, all free to our students, real-world hands-on experience with a number of our corporate partners, and really an ecosystem of supportive services to help remove the barriers that might prevent our students from completing our program. We couple that with mentorship, with coaching, and once individuals graduate from our program and become full-time employed in the tech sector, we offer an array of services for alumni to make sure that they're not just experiencing a great first professional tech job, but they are supported throughout their career so that they can scale up in income advancement and mobility, which is what we're really driving for long term. If I had to just say in a nutshell, what we are focused on every single day is helping bring people from often 
situations of poverty to middle class plus wages and long-term upward economic gain. You know, and that's part of the reason that drove me to um, be so interested in this operation, the potential of the organization and the opportunity to lead. And it really goes back to my own background. And, you know, Rob, one of the things that I've experienced being in the nonprofit sector for as long as I have, that's been nearly 20 years now, is that almost every leader you speak to and almost any individual anywhere within the nonprofit sector is there for oftentimes a deeply personal reason. And I always enjoy hearing the stories of why people who are incredibly talented, motivated, full of just incredible skills, make a choice to join the nonprofit sector, oftentimes where, you know, they might be paid less than what they could earn in the private sector, but choose to do so for those very personal reasons. And for me, I felt growing up, college was not a foregone conclusion. Neither of my parents graduated from high school. They were supportive and loving. I'm fortunate and privileged to be a child of a two-parent household. But they will be the first to confess they didn't know how to guide me on my own journey. And it was through a series of coaches and mentors in high school and nonprofits like United Way that helped me find a path to college and, and ultimately into engineering. So my first job out of college was in IT support for Procter & Gamble. And it became for me such a great pathway to a lot of other things. And what I learned of NPower and, and what the organization does, it just for me came full circle because it's an opportunity for me to help a whole generation of individuals who are looking at tech as an opportunity to change their economic situations, that of their families and their communities, and experience career progression uh, in ways that the tech sector uniquely can provide. Now, I always like hearing the personal draw of why people go into the nonprofit sector and, and why they either start their own nonprofit or they get involved with a particular nonprofit. So thank you. Thanks for sharing a bit of your personal story. I know there's a lot more there, but thank you for that. Now, I understand that at NPower, you helped to start Command Shift, which is a coalition of Fortune 500 companies like Citi, Amazon Web Services, Accenture, and new partners like LinkedIn and Juniper. Uh, your goal is to harness their resources and power to break down entrenched biases and barriers so women of color can have the stability and the security they deserve in the tech field. Now, tell us more about Command Shift and what has been some of your top accomplishments so far? Yeah, so I really appreciate that question. Look, I'm going to start with a story on what it is we at NPower learned ourselves that led to the launch of Command Shift. And, you know, this is, this is getting very real for a moment because I'll tell you, we weren't doing a very good job attracting women of color ourselves into our 16-week tech fundamentals training program. And as we really dug deep and asked some hard questions about why that is, we recognized, you know, we weren't recruiting from the right places. Many of our uh, recruitment materials advertising our program didn't feature women of color. When we sought volunteers from our corporate partners to guest lecture in the classroom or to provide professional development support, didn't have women of color. So 
we were very, very fortunate to receive an initial grant from the City Foundation that helped us launch a program we called 40 by 22. And what that was, and it was an initiative to increase the composition of our classroom from what was at the time a 21% composition of women of color to 40% by 2022. So we challenged ourselves to almost double that with the intentionality of wholesale changing our recruitment practices and, oh, by the way, changing how we operated in the classroom. One of the findings as we dug into our organization and tried to assess why we weren't attracting women or even the women of color we did attract, why maybe they didn't complete the program, is that we were not tooled in the classroom to ensure their success. Simple things like making sure that we invited them to sit at the front of the classroom, that we were, that our instructors were trained and they were taught about their own unconscious biases around not calling on them when they raised their hands with questions. So soup to nuts, we took a very hard look and guess what? We are now at 39% women of color in our classrooms. Not only that, we've also recruited instructors at the head of the classroom, 50% of our instructors are now women of color. So it's providing some role modeling as well. Uh, thank you for that. And it became for us an aha where we thought if this is something that we have been able to address in a couple of years, what if we could take some of these lessons and help our corporate partners also learn? And how about if we do that together? So that is the whole point of the command shift coalition. And that word coalition is really important because it is truly a network and a partnership, not only of corporate partners, like the great names you, you mentioned, but also of other nonprofits, outstanding organizations like the Knowledge House, the YWCA, and Girls Who Code, where we're locking arms together and saying, you know, let's try to figure out this huge problem so that we can change the equation where today, as you said, there's a, a disastrously low, appalling 5% women of color in tech. No, that's really good to know about that. And I, I got to ask a question. I mean, you've had to put a lot of time into this, and it takes a lot of work to both build and sustain a coalition of leaders, let alone companies. So how have you done that? How have you built and how have you sustained this coalition of both leaders and companies around this goal? Yeah. So, uh, you know, look, I'll, I'll, say, I'll answer that a couple of different ways. First, as we think about the goal, we, we have stated that our objective is to double the number of women of color in tech by the end of the decade. So we'd like to go from 5% to 10%. And that's a pretty bold and audacious number, but it would be far more representative of the uh, population available for these tech jobs. And we can talk a bit more about that in a moment on the uh, equation for equality research. But I think one of the reasons, and I mentioned that goal, because I think having a really bold and audacious goal is in part what has attracted a number of companies to join forces with us, and they have helped to shape that goal. Let's be clear, it's not nameless, faceless of big companies coming to the table. It is leaders within those companies. So it's people like Tamika Anderson at City, who's a co-chair, or Ladavia Drain, 
from Amazon Web Services, or Lisa Asari from Amazon, Lisa Moore from Guardian, Judy Winter from Broadridge, Hashan Mann from Comcast, women leaders who themselves have had experiences in the workplace where they've brought a passion and a set of skills and leadership qualities to say, we can make a difference together. We'll be right back. Well, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If this is your first time listening to us, I wanted to make sure you're aware of a whole group of other episodes with fascinating guests that I previously interviewed. Just go to our website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. There you will find numerous interviews of nonprofit leaders from all over the country, including some from other countries, all trying to make their world better. When you go to our website, you can also subscribe to my monthly leadership update in order to get more content, ask me questions, and join the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast community. Just look for the subscribe button, which is on the top right-hand side. It's a real easy process. Well, thanks again for listening. Now back to the show. All right, well, perfect. This is a podcast, of course, dedicated to leaders who are in the trenches day in and day out. I mean, seeking to grow, strengthen, and scale their organizations. I'd love to get your insights on leadership based on your years of experience. And so first, could you talk about what do you think are the most important traits for a leader? Well, so look, there's a lot of insight, a lot of bumps, a lot of things to celebrate uh, over the past seven years, I think, since I have been here at Empower. But a couple of things I think I would mention is first, the identification, recruitment, and retention of fantastic talent. And, you know, one individual that I would mention in the context of Command Shift is the woman internally at Empower who leads this initiative. Her name is Candace Dixon. She is a remarkable leader herself and comes to the organization, again, with her own experiences as a woman of color who has worked both in the tech sector and the nonprofit space and is able to sort of galvanize and tap into the passion of others because of her own experiences and of her own deep-seated interests. So what I think about lessons in leadership, and I think about a remarkable talent like Candace, it's how do we in the nonprofit sector make sure that when we identify and recruit great talent, that we dedicate the resources to pour into who will be the next generation of leaders? Because without that, individuals don't see the opportunities for growth. And in my own experience, I think this is a sector where we have dramatically underinvested in leadership development. And it's often an afterthought. We all fundraise frantically to keep the lights on, to keep our programs going. But the people who are making all of that work deserve just as much attention and development because that's what keeps the organization strong and healthy. So I think one lesson, right, I would offer up is as a sector, it's important for all of us to work collaboratively with the funding community in recognizing capacity building, leadership support, training and development, according to our people, is just as valuable as programmatic funding itself. So what I hear you saying is that um, performance and leaders that just accomplish all the metrics is really important to do that. 
But values are even more important. Is that what I'm hearing? I would say not just the uh, undervaluing the development of leaders, but talent throughout the ranks, right? And so ensuring that frontline social support workers and in our case, recruitment and admissions managers, those who are doing heavy lifting every single day, find that they've got opportunities to deepen their skill sets, to get better at their jobs, and also to appreciate that there are career pathways both within an organization and across the nonprofit sector. Because, you know, we have, I think, experienced broadly in the U.S. today a shortage of talent. And one of the things that I've observed in the nonprofit sector, because so many, particularly younger people, but I would also say those of us over 50, are driven by purpose. And I think as a sector, we've got a unique opportunity to attract individuals who, you know, face it, may be a little burnt out by some of their corporate jobs and say, I am ready to do something where I can put my whole heart and soul into a job I know has a mission I care deeply about that I'm personally committed to and represents purpose for what I do every day. So performance emerges out of values. Okay, good. Oh, I like that. That's very good. Now, a question, is there anything about leading in the nonprofit sector that is unique and requires a different set of leadership skills? You know, I, I think because, as you know, where we started, so many individuals come to the sector with a story. And I think it's going to come out upon all of us as leaders to be empathetic listeners and understand why people are doing what they do at your organization. And I think when you do that, what I've observed and experienced is that there's a level of trust that gets formed, that there's a level of partnership that becomes important uh, across the organization, and a level of collaboration. I find that when I compare my years of experience in the for-profit sector, the truth is, sure, we're operating with fewer resources. But when you can knit together trusting relationships in such a way that you can uniquely overcome challenges, sometimes with fewer resources because people are 100% invested in the mission and the purpose, great things can happen. And I think innovation can happen because when you listen intently and when you form trust and you approach the job with humility, people aren't afraid to ask questions and they're not afraid to surface ideas. They know they have a safe space where that can happen. And that is often where the seeds of innovation are planted. So I would say careful listening. Maybe the second thing I would offer up is being very focused on values as much as metrics. So, you know, we, I, have a, um, I have a sort of construct I think a lot about. If you imagine a matrix on one axis, you've got values. On the other, you have, you know, sort of the performance of the job day to day. And that upper right-hand quadrant are those stars that you want to do everything you can to motivate, to keep and develop because they have both the, the values and the performance that you need for the organization. But I tell you what, I will every day take somebody who performs well on values, maybe a little bit less on the performance because that person can be coached. The individual who is antithetical 
to values and behaves in ways that can be toxic to the organization and to their relationships, but might overperform, if you will, is not a sustainable set of conditions because over time they will wear down individuals and relationships in an organization and maybe uh, encourage others to leave, right? And that's not what you want. So I, I think it's just being really mindful as you have those kind of constructs within an organization to really hold true and not just talk about values, but also really examine them in, a, in the course of performance reviews. When you do that, it shapes the culture. And you know what? The performance uh, is inherent and the performance comes from that. Time and again, and I can, I can point to countless uh, situations where, where people will go over and beyond and really give their all, right? When they know that to be true. Well, certainly uh, COVID, right? The last two years has been um, something that's dominated all of us, right? Uh, particularly the nonprofit sector, it's hit us hard in many ways. At the same time, it's been interesting. Uh, many nonprofits have actually received more donations than ever during COVID. So it's been both a, a positive, if you will, and a negative. Now, how have you seen your organization changed permanently because of COVID? And then maybe you could talk about the landscape for all nonprofits in general. Have there been some things that have changed because of COVID that we're never going to go back to the old way, so to speak, pre-COVID? Yeah, so I'll, I'll answer that a couple of ways. I'll, I'll talk about just operationally how it has changed our organization, but I'll also tie it back to our first conversation around command shift because it has definitely impacted women of color that we're looking to serve. So operationally, you know, our, our business model is forever different. We are now an instructor-led training organization, but most of our work is virtual, right? It's Zoom classes in most of the markets that we serve, which is eight around the country. So we're nationally, we serve about 2,000 people every year, but we encourage our students to join in-person once a week or once every other week for professional development and social support services, and really just to form a community in person. So our staffs locally have gotten very clever about how to use that in-person time to really maximize uh, the interaction and just the, the sort of social component that we continue to believe is really important. But because we are now doing so much training virtually, it's also allowed us to take some of our programming, like our advanced training in cybersecurity and cloud computing, to offer that nationally to individuals around the country where before those programs were anchored in those eight geographies. So that's one. The second is I think about Command Shift and this important market that we are now serving. We did a piece of research called the Equation for Equality, and it was done with a light cast, which used to be called burning glass. And we identified that there were about 500 occupational titles like electronic medical records analyst or customer service manager that were the sort of 40 to maybe $50,000 a year jobs, but not a lot of upward mobility. But those 500 job categories had some basic skills that could be easily transferred into tech roles that would pay better in the short term and certainly higher mobility in the long term. And guess what? Women of color over-indexed in these 500 occupational titles. 
So what we are looking to do, and this is where we have confidence that we can reach that doubling the percent of women of color in tech, is that if we can get just a fraction of individuals today who are in those 500 job titles and train them much like we do with our students today, but with other types of skills, such as Salesforce, such as UI interface, the types of skills that are at root level, not that different from many of the data requirements, customer service interactions, uh, real-time problem solving that individuals in these job titles today have. So we're hoping as we pilot this program first quarter of 2023, that we can begin to train thousands at a time and then uh, connect them to the employer partners that are a part of Command Shift and many others to begin to really move the needle on that very ambitious goal. Okay, well, if you were to put your forecasting glasses on as you look towards the future, what are the biggest challenges facing the nonprofit sector, in your opinion? So, I, look, I think that as the economy wobbles, we find ourselves in an interesting set of crosshairs because for some of the organizations, demand for services goes up, where people are in need, food banks or shelters, childcare provision, healthcare provision, or in our case, job training. At the same time, the danger is that companies pull back on some of their efforts around philanthropy or individual philanthropists because of concerns over, you know, quarterly earnings. So I I think we just need to be very mindful of how we diversify funding streams to ensure that there is sustainability at all times that are independent of economic cycles so that we can continue to do our jobs and to serve people who need us the most. Well, this has been a fascinating conversation. Again, how can people find out more about you and your organization at Empower? So I, the first thing is go to npower.org. It's easy to find us and we've got a very robust website. And if any of your listeners want to find me online, they can uh, find me on LinkedIn. And I think you've got my name on, on your website. So it's not an easy one to spell, but it's an easy one to find on LinkedIn. And I'm always, always happy to make new connections, to learn from others and find creative ways to partner. Well, Bertina, thank you for being on the show. Thanks for all you do in this sector to really support not only women of color to get into the tech sector, but also by your leadership, really supporting the nonprofit sector. And thanks for taking time to be on the show. Well, Dr. Harder, thank you very, very much. I've enjoyed the conversation. Hey, friends. Well, I wanted you to know that this podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, Google Podcasts, and wherever you listen to other podcasts. I also want to encourage you to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with others. This will actually help us get this great content out to more nonprofit leaders just like you. You can also join the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast community. Find other resources and interviews of past guests all on my website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. Well, thanks again for listening. And until next time, keep making your world better.